You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Episode number 92 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Judo Chop. Hailing from the far depths of planet Earth, where commonly used language such as good day mate and she'll be right get thrown around more than a dingo's breakfast, is a band from Melbourne, Australia called Judo Chop. Judo Chop are a six-piece melodic punk band who have been around since their inception in 2018. An amalgamation of members from various punk bands throughout the years, Judo Chop have come together to create something unique and fresh in today's punk scene. They have recorded their debut EP with infamous Sam Johnson at Holes and Corners Studio, which is due for release in mid-2020. For more information on Judo Chop, check out facebook.com forward slash Melbourne. Now here it is, their new single, Vices. Long as you work a second job, Sarah's working for you. 
Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Hey, this is Brian Nelson. You're listening to that one time on tour. Run for the road, cause it's going on and on. We'll be driving through the darkest night until the break of dawn. We'll be heading for the cities, another show for us to play. To get back in the bed tomorrow, we'll do it, we'll do it all. Hey everybody out there in podcast land, what is going on? This is Chris Swinney. As always, I am your host for that one time on tour. If this is your first time joining me, this is my podcast where I get to sit down with somebody in or around the entertainment industry and have a stellar conversation Thank you for last week. A lot of you guys hit me up and let me know how much you enjoyed the episode with Melissa Brooks from the Aqua Dolls. I just want to give a shout out to Melissa and all of the girls in the Aqua Dolls and a shout out to Rick DeVoe, their manager. Just had a conversation with Rick today. He's going to be on the program in the future. But I'd like to tell you guys that their tour is starting on February 14th in Austin, Texas. They're playing dates with White Reaper and Beach Slang. Do yourself a favor and go check out the Aqua Dolls. They're in the studio right now with Fat Mike from NoFX doing their new record. So go check them out. Like I said, the tour starts February 14th in Austin, Texas, playing dates with White Reaper and Beach Slang. So go check out the Aqua Dolls. Shout out to the girls in the Aqua Dolls. So this is episode 92, and today is a special, special episode. I got to have a chat with one of the best friends I've ever had in my entire life, Mr. Brian Nelson, former bassist of the Ataris, former bassist of the Widow Jenkins, all-around good guy, and my best friend, pretty much. I mean, I've had other best friends, but Brian kind of takes the cake. We've known each other forever. Over 30 years, we played Little League Baseball together. He was in my sister's grade in school and we talk about like they went on a field trip and my mom was a chaperone and his mom was a chaperone and we've just, Brian and I, our lives have been entangled for quite a long time 
And uh, we have a really good time talking on the podcast. And it was so nice to finally get him on the podcast. I've been trying to get him to do it for a long time. And he's like, you know, why would anybody want to listen to what I have to say? And I'm like, man, you're doing crazy stuff. You were in the band with me. And, and you know, now now Brian is the monitor tech and uh, miscellaneous guy for Baroness. He's worked uh, with the Orwells. He's done stuff with Enslaved, uh, Heffron Drive. When he was with the Orwells, they did like Wembley Arena with Weezer. I mean, Brian has done some crazy stuff, and we covered all in the podcast, and you guys are going to thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy it. Before I get to my conversation with Brian, another really good friend of mine, my buddy Justin Kane, he is an amazing artist, and uh, I haven't seen Justin for a long time. He lives down in Florida, but Justin is in my circle of friends. <clears throat> He's really close with Brian as well. So I wanted to give a shout out to Justin. He just released a new children's book entitled The Goat and the Witch, and it says it tells the heroic story of a brave goat who becomes the prisoner of a cruel witch. If you guys want to check it out, it sounds really cool, and it's got illustrations from Justin, and it was written by Justin. He's such a creative and great guy. I love Justin. He's one of my best buddies. And uh, you can go ahead and order the book. Head on over to www.happygoatdesign.bigcartel.com. That's happygoatdesign.bigcartel.com. And pick up a copy of The Goat and the Witch. You won't be sorry. It looks awesome. I already ordered mine, and I can't wait to read it to my kids. So shout out to Justin. And I can't shout out to Justin without shouting out Justin's brother, Squirrel, is what we call him. Tyler Kane, I don't know if you're listening or not, man, but uh, I love you dudes, and I haven't seen you in a long time, so we need to get together. But check out Justin's book, The Goat and the Witch, like I said, happygoatdesign.bigcartel.com, and pick up a copy. It's going to be awesome. So I've got some sponsors I need to tell you guys about really quick. We've got a lot of sponsors today. Liquid Death is still signed on, Liquid Death Spring Water. You guys have to check it out. It is the best water in a can you've ever had. I said last week on the program, it reminds me so much of being on Warp Tour when a Monster was a sponsor of Warp Tour and you had the tour water. Everybody thought you were drinking Monster, but it was water and it was awesome. So head on over to liquiddeath.com and get yourself a case of water. And by listening to this program, you have a promo code that can get you $2 off a case of water and just put in the promo code T-O-T-O-T and you're going to save 200 pennies on that case of water. Don't buy bottles of water. It's bad for the environment. Go on over to liquiddeath.com and murder your thirst. Death to plastic, liquiddeath.com. Promo code T-O-T-O-T-O-T. And uh, also we have Permanence Tattoo Gallery is still on board. The only place to get tattooed in central Indiana, Anderson, Indiana on Meridian Street. Head on over to Permanence Tattoo Gallery. They're on all the socials at Permanence Tattoo Gallery. I wanted to tell you about the band at the beginning, Judo Chop. I love Judo Chop. They are from Melbourne, Australia. If you're from Australia, it's Melbourne is how they pronounce it over there. So uh, shout out to Judo Chop. Thank you guys so much for sponsoring this episode. I really appreciate it. And I cannot wait for the full release. Their song Vices that we just played is awesome. And if the rest of it's like Vices, one of my new favorite bands. Love you guys. Okay, so we have one more sponsor. You guys have heard me talk about them before, but they're back on the program once again. Merge for 
They make socks the most comfortable, coolest socks you've ever seen. Merge4.com is the website or at Merge4 on all of the socials. Just search for Merge4. They're amazing. Thank you, Cindy, so much for sponsoring some more episodes of the program. They have socks from the Circle Jerk, Sublime, Foo Fighters, uh, Edward Culver, the old the photographer like that took all the pictures back in the day of like Black Flag and the Ramones. They they have all these cool collaborations with artists and athletes and bands. You have to check them out. Merge4.com. And the cool thing about this is I'm going to be running this new contest over on our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com forward slash TOTOT podcast, get involved on one of the financial tiers to help the show out. And I'm going to be giving away Merge 4 codes, promo codes worth 50% off whatever you order at Merge 4. So head on over to our Patreon and sign up, patreon.com forward slash TOTOT podcast, and you will have a chance to win 50% off your purchase at merge4.com. So that's all the sponsors. If you want to become a sponsor, it's really, really easy. Just email me, TOTOTpodcast at gmail.com, or you can hit me up on any of the socials at TOTOTpodcast, and we will make it happen. So I want to make sure that you guys are rating and reviewing and subscribing wherever you listen to this podcast. There's so many different little podcatchers. You got Stitcher and Spotify and Apple Music and a million others. So wherever you're listening, hit that follow thing, hit that subscribe thing, and make sure to rate and review. It goes a long way and helps us gain some momentum in the in the charts. You know, we've been we've been charting really well. It'd be good to beat Alec Baldwin. We're always right there by Alec Baldwin. I want to beat Alec Baldwin. So uh, help us out. <laughs> That'd be great. Okay, so that's it. I'm not going to do a segment or anything today. I'm going to get right into my conversation. I just want to tell you guys, you know, I've already told you a little bit. Brian is one of my favorite people in the entire world. He stayed in the Ataris when, when I left for quite a while. I think we talk about it on the podcast. I think he, you know, the Ataris have had like a million members. But Brian, I believe he and Mike Davenport, the original bass player, maybe are vying for the longest time in the band. But a few years back, Brian left the band. Uh, no big, crazy breakup story or anything. There's just, it ran its course. He was kind of over it. And now he's doing all kinds of crazy stuff on the road with a bunch of different bands. And I had such a great time catching up with Brian. There's a lot of technical stuff that we talk about as far as like running sound and and just being on tour and what it you know, the ins and outs and the daily life of being on the road as a tech or a roadie. And uh, so I think you guys are going to enjoy it. This one's a little bit different. We do talk about the old days, talk about the Ataris and, you know, the Widow Jenkins and, and everything that we've done together. But Brian and I have a very long and storied history together. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So thanks again for coming back week after week. I love doing this podcast and I love that you guys out there care about this podcast it's a great little community that uh, I've become a part of, and thank you for being a part of it as well. So without further ado, I'm going to jump right into my conversation with my best friend, hetero soulmate, <laughs> whatever. It's like the Jay and Silent Bob thing. He's, uh, he's just the coolest guy in the world, and you guys are going to love it. So here it is. This is my conversation with Brian Nelson, formerly of the Ataris, and just awesome dude that's working with a million bands. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Here we go. 
And I'm on the line with one of my best friends of all time, Mr. Brian Nelson, formerly of the Ataris. What are you doing today, man? Well, honestly, I just woke up a little bit ago because it's, I mean, I guess it's 11 a.m. here, but I woke up like 9. Is it 11? Man, I thought, just I hanging thought, out. I thought there was like a three-hour time difference. I thought it'd be like 10 it's, there. It's two hours right now because of uh, the, the daylight savings. Oh, okay. Because they don't do daylight savings time here. Well, I'll tell you, man, the, uh, trying to do like, like the good old days, you know? Yeah. Like the good old days. Well, do you remember when Indiana had its own time zone? Like we didn't ever change. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how it is here. It just never changes, which now is confusing because I, you know, I was used to the the no changing time zone and now I'm just like, I forget again, you know? (laughs) Well, I've tried, I've had some issues on the show because I've done like, you know, Lindsay from Frenzel Rom down in Australia and like different places all over the world. And I think that I have the time figured out, but then there's something like that where maybe daylight savings time or some weird thing kicked in and I was off. So like, they'll be calling me and I'll just be sitting on the couch with my kids and nothing's set up yet. <laughs> right. And, and I mean, and then it doesn't help that, uh, Daylight savings is not the same across all over the world. Yeah. You know. There's some uh you've done a lot a lot of traveling, you know, both of us have. I think you've done quite a bit more than I have, but I know that there's some place over Micronesia or somewhere in the South South Pacific where they, they have a time zone that's actually on the half hour. Yeah, there's something like that. But I mean I've I've never experienced it that I that I can think of, but I definitely have seen it on the on a map of time zones where yeah. there's a half hour one, you know. Well, I tell you what, man, uh, I just want to get right into this and start talking. I haven't seen you since July when you were in town with Baroness. Um, we'll, yeah. pr- we'll probably talk a little bit about the Atari stuff and everything, but something that I'm very interested in is, uh, you know, this kind of new gig that you have with Baroness where you're running monitors. How did that all come about? Oh, man, you know, with, with that band, I'm, I'm just kind of like a utility person and I kind of float between whatever whatever jobs needs done so what are some um, of the other jobs that you've done besides running monitors uh mostly just teching or like or doing monitors i've had to fill in front of house but that's only like random like you know one-off shows and then um i've done merch on a tour um but uh yeah that last tour was just or not 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 the last tour but the tour that you saw me on yeah I was filling in, um, doing monitors. And then, and then the last tour I, I filled in, I did like tech and merch, but it was like a, it was an arena tour with, um, that band Volbeat. Yeah. Denmark. How was it with Volbeat? I've, I've heard from other people on the show. They're, they're super nice, but I'm just not a huge fan of the band. Yeah. That's pretty accurate. Pretty accurate. GGBB. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking. And I mean, you know, they're nice guys. I, it's just not my, not my thing. They're not it's my like, cup of tea, but I mean, I think they're a pretty tight band, you know? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah, they're good. I had a guy, I got a kid the other day at lessons. He was like, Hey man, I want to learn this five finger death punch song. And I'm like, why did you lose a bet? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's like. I don't know, man. It, it's fine. Like it's definitely some people saying it's not mine. Just like Nickelback and Creed and Five Finger yeah. Death Punch and like. But I mean, it sounds the same to me as all that, which, you know, the, which is like you know some people argue that like to them it sounds no different than Jimmy World, which 
you know, I, I guess is like the same thing as me being like, but it sounds the same as Creed. Like they all sound yeah. like that to me. Like, you know, to th- somebody else, like it just sounds like generic rock and roll, which to them is like Jimmy world or something like that. Where to me, I'm like, no, that's different. I think when like, you know, you and I growing up the way that we did in the music that we were into, as far as like punk and metal and whatever kind of indie stuff was out there. I think you get so kind of enamored with that. And then you hear something like a Volbeat and you know, to us, it does kind of just sound like all that other stuff. So I can see how someone that's not into what we're into could think that what we listen to sounds. I've, I've had kids that I teach before. I've let them hear no effects. And they're like, oh, it sounds like Green Day. I'm like, well, no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But it does. I get it. Yeah. It doesn't, though. But, yeah. So you guys just got back from a huge European tour. Right? <clears throat> yeah, we got back. Uh, we got back. I got back a little early. I left early. Um because I was only supposed to be on the first half of it. And then I ended up staying like another like three weeks or something. But, um, and I, I would have done the whole thing, but between the time of me not doing the whole thing and, and coming home, they, my parents decided to come out here for Thanksgiving. So I, I kind of had to come home anyhow. So we went, and, so, which was fine. So I came home like a week and a half early. And then you hit some places on that tour that I know you haven't been like you hit like Greece and like, what were some of the, some of your favorite places you got to go over there? Um, on that tour, man, um, Greece was probably the best because that was like the most, we had the most time off there. Yeah. Um, I mean, pretty much everywhere else on that tour, I'd, I'd been minus like Greece. And then there's like some, we did some like, um, we did a, like a headline shows, um, like, uh, like in between, cause the first half was, was club like theaters, like 2000 cap theaters, which yeah. will be like in their smaller markets, which is like the UK um, and like in, in like parts of Europe. But then like the second half, they took like two weeks off or something and then didn't did the arena. So it went from like 2000 cap rooms to like, I don't know, something stupid, like 17,000 or more. I mean, I saw, I saw some of the Instagram stuff that John was posting and Gina was posting and man, it was huge, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest one was like 40,000 almost or something stupid. Like I, I don't, I don't get it, but good for them yeah you know like i mean they, and they were sold out like there was only a couple shows on the tour that i think weren't sold out and i don't know if any of those were the arenas like i think like it's just like there were a couple club shows that weren't sold out so w- when you're going from playing the smaller clubs to then doing the arenas i mean i know you said you were doing all kinds of stuff teching and whatnot but is it a big switch as far as what how the crew reacts and what the crew has to do because the stages are so large and maybe the systems are different <laughs> Um, I, okay. I, they, okay. They definitely, their crew is definitely not used to doing theaters and clubs. Oh, the, the, the Volbeat crew. Yeah. Like they, they haven't, they don't really do that. So like, yeah. so I did. Yeah. You know, like in the first, we're like, God, this is fucking insane. Like, like I, I mean that's what we do we do venues that size and yeah for us we're just like why is this so difficult and for them it was it was harder because they're not used to like being restricted to that much to like that small of a space where we're like this is great there's all this space so then going to the arenas yeah i, I did expect i expected some things to change and like to be a drastic difference but man honestly like it was like I mean, it was, it was kind of crazy every day. Like every day they were trying to figure out what, 
what version of their stage they were going to set up because you know every arena is different yeah and and it was literally every day like they didn't know and we would come in and i mean <laughs> like we would kind of just sit in the arena and just watch because we're just like well, let's see what they're going to do today <laughs> you know uh, it's 4 p.m and they haven't sound check and doors are at five and they're not even set up like wow. that the, those there are many days like that so were you guys getting like a full sound check and everything as well? Oh, no, no, not at all. Just usually not like a line check before you go? Uh, we, there, there were days where like me and Thomas would, you know, go through and line check and, and Mark and like we'd go through and line check everything and there'd be no sound check. And then we would line check again before the, right before the band went on stage. And our changeovers went from like 20 minutes to 15 minutes, which like, which is fine. Totally doable. It was a little, it was a little more stressful, but you know, you know, we can do it. And, uh, um, so yeah, I mean, no, there weren't, there weren't really sound checks. Like they, they didn't even know if they were sound checking most of the time, like half the time the band would come up and walk on stage and then like, like not do anything, you know? I mean, and, and that's fine. Like if that's just you, when you're, when you're on that level, like it is your choice to do whatever you want. Yeah. And, like it's really frustrating for like everybody else, but you know, you just try to explain to everybody like, yo, this isn't your fucking tour. And like, you just got to deal with it. So what was the reception like for Baroness? I mean, everything that I saw on the internet seemed very positive. It was, it was, uh, it was rough. It was really rough, man. Like I, 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 I went into it being like, they're going to love Baroness because like years ago, with Brazil, we did a tour with Smile Empty Soul. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and I thought, I was like, man, this is going to suck. This is like cock rock. Like, this sucks. It's not my thing. Like, doesn't sound anything like Brazil. But we'd also just gotten off a tour. Like, we'd recently done a tour with um, Say Anything Me Without You with in Piebald, which all those shows were, like, sold out except for, like, the one we did in, like, Oklahoma City and in Vegas because nobody sells out Vegas. And... And I know there's plenty of people that sell out Vegas, but you know, um, <laughs> people but, maybe on that level, people don't sell yeah, out Vegas. Yeah, it's harder. But so, so I, I, you know, I was like, well, we did this cock rock tour. It's going to be great. I, to me, Baroness fits with Bullbeat the way Brazil fit with Smile of Your Soul, which is not at all, not at all. But it's kind of in that same vein. So you would almost think that, from what I know of European like music fans. Since you go to the, you know, the festivals in Europe seem to be a big bit mixed, mixed bag. So I would think they yes, would maybe at least be open to it. Right. And that's, that's, that's kind of what I thought. And that's not, what, that's not what everybody thought. And I was definitely wrong. There was a lot of shit. Like there are a lot of, a lot of people hating them. Yeah. There, there was this crew of people in my crew. There were three people and they came to almost every show. Um, two girls and a guy. They were, they weren't, one, one was from Switzerland, one was from Czech, I think, and then I, I'm not sure where the other one was from, but, but they all, they all came to the shows together, like, or they met up, you know, and they would, like, front row every single day, and, like, like, no shit, they would, like, they would, um, they would, like, like, flip, flip the band off and boo them, and, like, really thumbs down and shit like that so you're you're saying you're saying like they were following volbeat and they were just being they were dicks yes. to baroness they weren't following they, baroness they were. just to be dicks to baroness 
they essentially they, they they kind of I mean they just like they just didn't give a fuck. Yeah, you know, they were just being assholes, and you know and and we saw them every day. You know, we watched them. We, we you know we we have talkbacks on stage, and we all we talk about them. We're like, what the fuck's their problem today? You know, shit like that. And John John John's like, I am going to. He's like, I'm going to win that guy. Like, all right, cool. And which which he did, and the guy ended up coming out to a bunch of like you know he came out to a bunch of the headline shows, you know, and all that. Oh, so he actually won won that guy over. Him and the two girls, like they end up being like they end up being super cool, and like they they, you know they they they, one of them definitely, and maybe 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 all of them. I'm not really sure. Like you know, they apologize. They're like, hey, like we're sorry we acted like that. We shouldn't have. You know, we have we weren't giving you a chance. It was unfair. Yeah, really shitty. You guys are awesome. And like, I mean, they end up loving it. Like they loved the set was great. You know, they, they played a great set. It, it took some time to figure out, I think what set fit, but, but the majority of the fans were, were still kind of like that at the end. Like they just didn't give a fuck. Like it'd be like, they'd be like, Danko Jones was awesome. And Volbeat's awesome. But Baroness sucked. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, in, in, I know why I get it. Like from seeing it, it's like, like, I don't know if you've heard Danko Jones. Yeah. Danko yeah. is like, yeah, you know, he's like, he is, he is straightforward, like, like party rock. He's yeah. just, he is a party, party rock and roll guy. Like, you, you could know, tour he with a, Andrew WK and it would work out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, and you know, he, he's like, you know, one of the songs is, do you kiss on the first day? And I mean, those are, those are the kind of lyrics and like those fans love that shit. You know, they're like, it's it it's like Andrew WK, but it's yeah, you know, it's just party rock, Canadian yeah. party rock, and like so that fit with Volbeat. Where Volbeat, you know, I mean, they weren't like that, but they were they were a little more more like just straightforward rock. Oh, your Baroness is a more ambient of a band, and like you know, <laughs> it is much better if you're stoned. I think I think that helps if you <laughs> yeah. don't know. You know, I think that does help. It it makes makes things a little more easier to grasp. I think, but. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it was weird. I, I, I definitely thought it was going to be a better thing. Like it, it, when we had the two weeks off and we did our own headline shows, it was the best. Like, yeah. Cause like Greece was, Greece was a, Greece was a headlining show. How was that yeah. show? Cause I mean, I know that, uh, actually the funny thing is there were two or three different people that emailed me that heard the interview with Sebastian from Baroness and said they'd <laughs> never heard Baroness before. And they went to that show and they said they're their favorite band now. So I almost feel like I helped them get three new fans. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's amazing that after listening to, uh, you know, an interview with Seb, they still went to listen to the band. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, Seb's great. He'd be, he'd be so mad if he knew I said that. He, <laughs> well, I don't awesome. think he listens. Maybe he does. Maybe we'll get him to listen. He's, he's going to listen to this one. Okay, no, cool. no, probably not. <laughs> No, but um, it yeah no that was a, Victoria actually said the other day she's like yeah that, that was the best show of the tour and I, I think it was like it was just like a what kind of venue was that was it a fairly large venue or uh it was it was like man I, I honestly don't know I think maybe it was like a, it it was probably a, a thousand cap yeah. I would say and it was pretty packed out because there was a balcony but yeah I mean, it was a great show like you know we didn't we we flew there from. I don't know wherever wherever the bus dropped us off and we flew and and uh you know we only took like i took like a suitcase of merch and it sold out before the show was over wow 
So yeah, it was, it was crazy. So when you're going to places like that with a band like Baroness, I mean, I know they've got amazing management. It's Q Prime, which does Metallica. I mean, that's one of the best you can have. When you're going to these places and, you know, you and I've done stuff overseas before in the Ataris. And, but I mean, what was like the backline situation? Now you being a tech guy, I'm sure you're dealing with that. When you go to a place like Greece, are they bringing in the stuff you want or are they bringing in like something comparable? Um, mostly like, I mean, you know, the, the band, I mean, at least like John and Gina are playing like all Fender. So we can get a pretty, pretty, pretty close to the back line that we, that we use in the States. Um, I think sometimes it's kind of hard to get the, the Princeton's. Those aren't necessarily something that every rental house has because they're small, you know, yeah. like usually a lot of places have the bigger combo amps, but as far as that goes, um, it's not too big of a deal usually. Um, you know, the bass amp, like, uh, <clears throat> it just depends. Like, I think, I think in Europe this last time we were using Aguilar. Um, and then in Greece, I don't know, it probably, like, if they don't have that, it's, it's usually that or an Ampeg, you know, that's just yeah. standard. Um, and then like an 810. And, and then, it, 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 uh, Seb plays Ludwig. So, you know, those, those are fairly. Those are fairly readily available most most of the time, but so. It, Do you have any uh, any weird stories about like I, you did a lot of touring with the Ataris after I left the band? You guys did a lot of stuff, you know, over in Asia and places like that, where I'm sure maybe it's a little bit different. Do you have any weird stories about backline that you had to use to play a show? Um. Like anything crazy, like when you'd show no, up and there'd be like a crate two twelve or something. No, no, no. I mean. I mean, yes, but no, but like, I think like in, uh, Shanghai, we, we showed up and like, they're like, yeah, we have, we have all orange backline and, you know, we're like, great. Awesome. Love yeah. it. And it was like, it was like, uh, it was like, I think that I had like maybe like a, a, a base terror head and like an, like an, one of the single, like, like 10 inch or eight inch base speakers for the for the 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 orange so like that was a little weird and in like you know and like chris likes to play ungodly loud like he yeah. doesn't he doesn't know like like there's no like middle ground it's just fucking loud yeah and so like and, and then him and thomas they bought they bought like um i don't know orange came out with those 15 watt heads or something or yeah. the seven watt heads like the, the micro ones and we carried those through Asia with us. So they were using those and whatever orange cabs. And I was using this like orange micro terror or some fucking shit and like an, an eight inch speaker. And then, you know, and, and then trying to be louder than Chris or being not being louder than Chris, but like to fit in the mix and then yeah. be able to hear things like. I guess, you know, if you're if you have a decent PA, no matter where you go in the world, if you just have something like those little micro amps, you can kind of get away with whatever you want. Oh yeah. No, those are great. I mean, like, man, I, I, when, when Chris got rid of that 412 and switched to playing a 212, yeah. it made my life so much better. I mean, it was still too loud, but like it was too less loud. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. if that makes any sense, it was two speakers quieter, which, which was uh pretty nice. <laughs> Awesome, man. So I know you've worked with a lot of other bands. Like I said, we'll get into more Atari's talk. That's what a lot of people are wanting to hear on this podcast. But I'm very interested. 
you know, since leaving the Ataris, you've done a lot of, you know, sound work and, and, you know, roadie tech work. What are some of the other bands that you've actually toured with and worked for? Um, I mean, I know, but the, the listeners probably right, don't. Right, so. right. right. So I, I did the Orwells for, you know, a few years and then, yeah. um, I've been doing Alice Glass. She was in, uh, she had that band Crystal Castles. Okay. And I've been working with her for, um, I think I started last, not last, not 2019, but 2018 working with her. You were um, doing some pop group that like I saw at iHeartRadio Festival or something. What was that? Oh <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, I did that with Heffron Drive. So that's, uh, my buddy Kendall, he was, uh, he was in, um, he was in a Nickelodeon band. Uh, uh, <laughs> the Naked Brothers big, band? No, no, no. I th- big Time Rush. He was. He was. Oh, uh, Big Time Rush. Yeah, I know that band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was in that, and so uh, Heffron Drive is his. Was it was his thing before he started being before he got before he signed on to do Big Time Rush? He was doing Heffron Drive with with uh, Dustin, who was also in Heffron Drive, and then when he signed on to do Big Time Rush. Um, he took Dustin went and played in the in the in the in the live band with him. So like they they kept doing the big time they, they did the big time rushing together, but Kendall was one of the singers. So then I started doing that. Yeah, we did and we did iHeartRadio. Um I don't was that last year? I can't honestly can't remember. I but. just remember seeing the post and like at the front of the house, like there was the big like iHeartRadio light up neon thing. That was the only thing I remember. It was some Instagram yeah, I, post. It was two years ago. Um, and I, but the, yeah, that was weird because like, it was like, I was so far out and like, we didn't, I kind of got a sound check, but, um, yeah, it was just kind of, it was kind of a, a mess there because it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a festival where the, the stage rotates and each band plays like three songs yeah. or something. What were some and, of like, the other groups that were there? Well, Fleet, Fleetwood Mac was there. Wow! And they're they're playing directly after us. That's um, insane. And we, we we opened, yeah. So without um, Lindsey Buckingham, was that before he left? Yeah, band? yeah, it, yeah. It was with Mike Campbell. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, which which I I didn't I didn't realize at the time because had I realized, I would have I would have been like, oh shit, you're Mike Campbell, you know? Didn't, I, yeah, I couldn't you could have gone it. up to him and go, hey man, didn't you write Boys of Summer? Or? <laughs> that and a million other Tom Petty songs, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Geez. he's the one that wrote that with, uh, yeah, I think he wrote the music and, and, uh, Don Henley wrote the yeah. lyrics maybe is what it was. Yeah. But yeah, that's that, that's yeah. that cool. Like connection because I mean that one time when I got to hang out with Henry Rollins, when you weren't there, I was like, Oh, I played in the Ataris. We did the, you know, we changed it to black flag sticker and Rollins is like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could have totally hung out with Mike Campbell all night long, man. I know I would have been stoked actually. I I I, I, for, I forgot that he that he was in Fleetwood Mac at the time. That's crazy, man. You know, I just didn't, and I didn't think of it until one day one day after until Dustin said something. He's like, he was like, uh, he's like, yeah, it's not the same without Lindsey Buckingham. I'm like, wait, Lindsey Buckingham was there? I'm like, shit, that means Mike Campbell was here. Yeah, yeah. Damn it. And I I watched I watched it, but just like not close enough to see, you know. And yeah, it was an arena too. It sounded like it sounded like whatever i'm like it sounds like shit and they're like sounds great and i'm like okay cool <laughs> what were there any other Still groups quiet. there other than fleetwood mac yeah um mariah carey was there i believe wow um panic at the disco 
Isn't, Which, it, isn't time, it crazy every, how they've blown up now? Like, I mean, every time I hear them, I'm like, really? This is what that band sounds like? Like, I, I just, I, I never listen to them. And it's just, well, like, dude, I'll, I'll tell this. I've never told this on the podcast, and I'm not like tooting my own horn or anything. But shortly after I left the Ataris, I was talking to this guy who I won't give his name out, but he had a lot to do with the management team of Panic at the Disco. And it was right around the time he was an Ataris fan as well. And it was right around the time that pretty much everybody in that group left except for Brendan. Mm-hmm. And I was offered an audition to play guitar with that band that I turned down. <laughs> and I tell that story to my wife all the time and she makes fun of me. She's like, you could be up there on the MTV awards playing music. <laughs> yeah. But then you'd have to be playing that music. I'd have That's to be playing all that me. crap and the Taylor Swift stuff. And yeah, I'm not into that, but I mean, the money would be good. Even though I've told my wife before, it's like, if I got that gig, I would be a session guy on tour. I wouldn't be making the big bucks. Yeah. Well, you would, but just not like. I doubt I would be, be, you know, writing any riffs for him. (laughs) Yeah, you know, maybe. Maybe. You never know, but yeah, you know. But yeah, there's there's many times in the past, and I won't won't bring up, you know, any other stories, but there's been a few bands that I kind of wish I'd have signed on the dotted line that I didn't. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I mean. There's not much you can do about it now, I suppose. Yeah, yeah maybe next time. Next time, if it pops up, I can take it. Dude, I'm in my 40s now, man. I don't think there's going to be a next time. <laughs> hey, you know. I mean, you never know. So uh, you uh, did you did this stuff with Heffron Drive and the Orwells. I know with the Orwells, you guys did some dates with Weezer. Can you give me a little bit of how that went? Um, It was... It was pretty, it was, I mean, it was pretty chill, honestly. It was like, um, uh, it, it was, uh, honestly, it was a lot like, like the, like the arena stuff for that, um, was a lot like the arena stuff for, uh, um, be, you yeah. know, like really like, are they going to sound check today? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> They're they're front of house guy. He was great. He was awesome. Like he for for Weezer, he uh, amazing. Uh, Doug, great front of house guy. And you know, every day I'm like, so how's it going? He's like, I don't I don't know. Don't know if we're gonna sound check today. I'm like, all right, man. And, you know, and which was fine. And um, they, uh, you know, sometimes it would just be the bass player that would show up and, and the drummer. They, yeah, they would they would rehearse and they would walk off stage and then I'd get like 10 minutes and then doors would open. So, I mean, did you get the chance to like meet rivers or any of those guys or were they pretty kind of like just off by themselves? Um, he, he actually wasn't around much. Yeah. To be very honest. Like he, uh, he like kind of like, uh, he would just kind of show up. You know, and then he would, um, you know, do his thing. Like his uh, his little his kid would be running around wearing a superhero cape. Yeah, his wife wife was walking around, and um, but yeah, he did. He didn't. He he would just kind of show up, you know, and whatever. I didn't really I didn't really see him much. I talked to uh, I talked to um. Man, I really, I really don't know any of their names, to be honest. I never listened to Weezer, so I, yeah, I, I was never a big Weezer guy either. I mean, I knew all the songs in the set, you know, 
and it was cool. But uh, I, 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 the bass player, I hung out with him a little bit and talked to him. He was really nice. Um, but yeah, they they always kind of did their own thing. They kind of show up whenever. And we we did a we did a tour with um, we did a tour with um, the Pixies as well. Oh wow, really? Yeah, and we did that in the states. We did Weezer in Europe, so we did like. The cool thing about Weezer was we ended at uh, we ended at um, in the UK at uh, Wembley. So we did we did Wembley Arena with. Uh, I remember with Weezer, I remember seeing cool. that when you put that on the internet. I'm like, oh my god, you're playing Wembley. That's crazy, yeah, man. Th- that one, that one was stressful um, because they had they added a second they added a, another opener so they added a main support. So we moved from main support to opening and yeah. then they added a British band to, to be main support. I, I can't remember what they were called, but they were like, they were some band that was like, you know, like a nineties British band that probably, that was like moderately successful in the States. Yeah. More, more successful in the UK or whatever. And, uh, their, their sound check took forever. And like, yeah, we, we pretty much like, Oh, I was, I was, I was sound checking up till doors that day. It was so when you're at Wembley and you're running front of house, how far away from the stage are you? Um, it's, it's man, honestly, I don't know. It's like, I mean, it's the same as like a festival or like, yeah, because like know, on the, at the hangout music festival, when I was working down there in artist relations during the bigger bands on the main stages, I'd always go hang out at front of house just cause it sounded better. And you're like, I mean, it's like a football field away from the stage, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's pretty far, you know? It's uh, definitely like you have to use a microphone to talk to somebody. Yeah. So, were the Orwells only getting like a half hour? Like, what was like the set like? Um, yeah, probably a half hour, which like for them, you know, is like, can be like 10 songs. It just depends on how, how fast they, they go through them, you know, but. Um, yeah, I, I probably, yeah, probably somewhere around 30 minutes is what we were doing. I, I really don't remember. Um, and it's probably the same for the Pixies. Like, um, did you get to hang out with Frank with Frank Black? Uh, he, he hung out, but, uh, probably the person we saw most was, uh, the drummer, Okay, the magician, the magician. He was uh he was hanging out a lot and like because he he would be in he would be in catering all the time where the other guys would kind of but we started in we started in Portland so I believe a bunch of them live up there so it it uh they would go home and stuff you know yeah so so I know that you also did some uh some stuff with some metal bands correct oh yeah. Tell me a little bit about that because I remember seeing like some you were in Japan with them in different places. What was the band? Uh, I did Japan with Enslaved. Okay. We did uh, we did uh, Australia and Japan and Bangkok and Singapore. Okay. Um, that was that was a rough one. It was it was uh, it was it was in the middle of a, a Baroness tour. So like I left, I left the Baroness tour for two weeks to go do Enslaved. Wow! For two weeks. Um, so like, where I was left, where was yeah. the Baroness tour? Was it in the states or was it somewhere over? No, it was in the states. It was with uh, it was the tour with Death Heaven. Okay. It was. The, so we, I left in like, 
Um, I left in, oh, I left in Seattle and I flew back to Toronto. So, and then the, the, I actually, I just saw the, we, we saw Enslaved Manager, if, like, it seems like a week ago, but it was actually a few weeks ago now when we were in Switzerland. It's actually been like a month ago now or more <laughs> yeah. since I was there. But like, we saw him and I was, I was, we were talking about the Japan tour and I was like, yeah, that tour sucked. Like, it was so hard. It was like, it was like, uh, seven of us, I think, in this like little van, yeah, driving from show to show in in Japan, and there was a there was a hurricane that came through, wow. so we drove from like Tokyo to Osaka. Like they're like, we gotta drive overnight because if we don't, we we won't make it to the show. But if we leave if we leave tonight, we'll get there and we'll be able to go to the hotel, and then after the hurricane passes, we'll be able to do the show. You know. And, uh, it was, man, it was like a, it was like a seven hour drive and it's like, it like, and I'm not like, not like a 15 passenger van, like a small van yeah. with, with like big Norwegian guys and <laughs> really uncomfortable. Two of them, two of them were really drunk and like definitely lost it on them at a, at a rest area. Like he started yelling at them. They were like, they were like messing with me. I'm like, you need to shut up, just shut up and get in the van. And I was like screaming at them. And of course nobody cared because they were glad I was telling them to shut up and they were and they were just trying to cope with being in the van for seven hours and driving through a hurricane. We were all we were all dealing with it pretty different ways, and it was, it was rough. That one, but uh, but there were there were some cool shows like uh, like I, I think the J- Japan shows were pretty good. Like it's such a blur, it was so fast. The Australia shows were good. We did those with Solstafir. Okay, and th- those were fun. Um, and Bang- Bangkok was pretty good. Singapore was pretty good. And then we flew home, and I, I literally, I walked on stage, I think, and they were like, they were finishing. Thomas was like finishing setting up the back line for Baron <laughs> It just never stopped then, working, man. Then my day started again, yeah. So Seriously. when you're when you're going from you know like the Orwells to Enslaved to Baroness. Do you have to kind of, I mean, I know not all of them you're doing front of house, but I know the Orwells and Enslaved is kind of polar opposites as far as the music goes. Do you have to make a change kind of in your mind when you're mixing? Because, you know, you want more click in the kick drum for the metal. Like, what is your process when you're going from like one band to another band? Um, or is there a process? I, 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 okay, so I don't think that i mix metal bands the way most people mix metal bands yeah and and i don't know if that's true but i'm i'm pretty sure it is that like i just don't i don't i i mix i mix metal bands like i mix a rock band and i i, I mix heffron drive like they're a pop band i mix them like a rock band which yeah. which is one of the things they really liked about it because they're like they are a pop band but they like the fact that there was still a pop band, but I made them a little more rock and roll sounding or whatever, like live anyhow. Um, so with Enslaved, I, I mean, you know, the Orwells, it's, it's pretty straightforward. They're, 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 not, they're not the hardest band to mix. They're not the easiest band to mix. And with, with that band, you're probably not working with a lot of channels. What do you got, like a top and bottom snare? And like, I mean, some bands that used to come uh, in for the Hangout Music Festival, I would look at the the sheet for their inputs, and it's like you really need sixty four inputs for like a quartet rock band. Like it's stupid, right? Um, I think probably I think I think the Orwells are maybe like fourteen. Yeah, that's total. and that's manageable. That's and, completely manageable. Maybe like maybe on a festival like sixteen, and that's only because I would add like 
I would add another kick mic and a spare vocal mic. I think they were 13, 13 normal, 14 otherwise. Yeah. So pretty small. And then enslaved is like, Jesus, I 160. Know, it's like, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's gotta be a lot uh, though. Right. It, it is. It is very close to like 32. Yeah. Yeah. If not 32. Um, cause it's like the, the drum kits change a little bit cause they got a new drummer, but I mean, it's two kicks. Um, I th- okay, so now it's two kicks, snare top, snare bottom, and then there's uh, the toms are, I think, uh, 10, 12, 13, 14, 16, and 18. So there's six toms. Wow. Um, and then the hi-hat gets mic'd. There's two overheads, and there's a ride mic for the drums. Wow. So, I mean, right right, right, right there. Right there, you've like got like almost as well said. <laughs> yeah, and then and then with, like, with bass, I have a mic and a DI. Yeah. Um, are you triggering anything at all or is it all just live? No, lights? no, it's all, it's all live. Um, I don't, don't, I've, I've been thinking about my buddy, my buddy Woody does, uh, Trivium. Okay. And I was talking to him about it. We we're at a festival earlier this year and he uses, they use gates or they use, um, they use triggers on the toms to trigger the gates. So, um, that's, that's something I would like to do on, on some enslaved stuff, I think just to, just to cut off, cut out some like extra ambient noise, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I have, I haven't been able to do it yet. Cause like part of the, part of the problem with that is like, you have, you have to have the right amount of channels. Cause then, because then every trigger also needs an XLR input and a preamp. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you use the, use the triggers, you use it to, to open your gate. So like, so then there's no bleed, like it opens the gate and then there's noise and then it closes it. So, but that, that's the only, that's the only triggered thing I would use. I, I don't need triggers. I, I don't like if, if, if the drummer's like halfway decent, like you, you can make it work. You yeah. Know? Like in, in like, man, I, I've mixed, I've done like local bands that have tri- kick, triggered kick drums and like, it just sounds like shit. Like you can't play already. So don't, so don't add something that's precision, like, a, like a trigger. That's very. Yeah. Cause precise. I would, I would think even if, you know, yeah, if you can't do it without the trigger, having the trigger there is not going to make it better. Cause you already can't right. do it. Yeah. And, and I also like, I'm not, because I'm, you know, I'm not a metal person like at all, really. Especially, especially that kind of metal. Like I never, I never listened to like black metal or yeah. You, I I listened to at the gates, but like they're a death metal band, and to me they're a punk band. You know, like they're they're just like a punk hardcore band. At the gates, slaughter of the soul. I mean, I I never really listened to a lot of that Norwegian stuff. I'm, <clears throat> I think the closest I ever got was in flames, but. Yeah, I'm kind of like you. I mean, I'm a little more on the metal side as far as like the old thrash, like new wave of British heavy metal and and American heavy metal. But I was never one of those Norwegian guys. Yeah, I mean, in in I, I mean, I always like Slaughter of the Soul, but um, yeah. Well, to finish my thought, as far as like the way I mix um, metal, you know, like I, I I try not to mix the the kick drum so yeah because. I mean, I just, I don't like that sound and I get that that's, that's the way it sounds. And that's, I've, I've had a lot of people come up to me like mixing metal and, and be like, be, be really happy with the mix because I think, I think they, they get so used to not hearing things. 
bands. Like, yeah, there's there's not a lot of there's not a lot of bass in in a lot of metal, and like there's there's no the kick drum is like not like do 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 do. It almost you know? sounds like like artificial in a way. Mm-hmm. And and I, I've had a lot of people like come up and be like, you know, this is the most full metal mix I've ever heard, and I'm like, that's awesome. And it, and it's because like I don't I never I didn't listen to that. And and part of the reason I didn't listen to a lot of it. I think other than it's just not my thing is that I didn't like the recordings, you know, I thought the recording yeah. sounded crappy and I thought that like there was no low end and there was no body case in point uh, and justice for mix. all. <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's actually what I, I tell a lot of people. I'm like, you know, it's like injustice for all. It's like, there's no bass, but like all of a sudden you add bass to a mix, like, and it's not that anybody's been doing it wrong. And it's not that anybody is doing it wrong. It's just that, you know, it's, it's all preference. And like, as long as like, you know, as long as like the band's happy and the fans are happy, it doesn't really matter, yeah. you know, like, but, uh, but so like, I mean, my, and like the difference with like mixing that in rock and roll is that when you do try to add the, like a little more low into the kick drum, um, you have to be careful because, because of the, uh, like the, um, you know the, the the blast beats and the double kick, the low end will just take off. Like yeah. you know, like all of a sudden you like, and you're just like, what? you know, and, and I I had to learn by making that mistake, <laughs> and then you know, and then remembering to fix it, and 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 there's like there's like things you can do like you can you know you can you know kind of automate it a bit and turn high pass filters on and off. But um, do you remember when like you got back from recording school? And uh, we were really starting to kind of do some stuff. And all we ever wanted was that kick drum sound from the Fat Records albums. It's, it's such a terrible sound, too. It's funny. It is. But do you remember how much like we actually mm-hmm. would like, I remember hearing like, oh, Ryan Green taped a, a quarter to the beater. Yeah, we used to do plastic beater. Yeah, we used yeah. to do all that shit. And I think we got pretty close a couple times. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, it's actually funny because I was listening to No Use for a Name yesterday. And and I and it was like one of the songs off more betterness. Yeah. And like, man, like I think Rory's a great drummer. I he's he's one of my favorite like pop punk drummers. Yeah. Like he he's got the punk beat down. He's he's in and on the later later no use for name stuff, he's I think he's really good and like you know, is a little more creative than just like you know, and um but uh there's like one song where it's like and like like on the one and the three every time he hits a symbol on like on the left and it's like the worst sounding is like (laughs) (laughs) and it's the entire like entire verse of the song i'm just like why like who let this happen it's insane sound do you know know what song it was because i want to go check it out now i love that um no it, it was. I'm pretty sure it was off more betterness though, and I, I just can't remember what, what song. Right I, I I loved how you were talking about. You know, you never really got into a lot of the metal stuff because of maybe how it sounded or how it was produced. And mm-hmm. I have a lot of these kids. I don't mean to keep bringing out my students, but like they love punk rock and they love aggressive stuff. And I'm like, oh, have you listened to Black Flag or you listen to the Misfits? And I play it for them, and they're like, that sounds like some band in a in a basement. <laughs> I, I, totally. I mean, I, I agree. It's the same, like, you know, like I, I didn't like a lot of those earlier Sam I am records. And I yeah, remember like, yeah. you know, being, being in the van with Chris and Chris like, Oh, you know, I love to soar. And I love like, 
you know, you're freaking me out and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, I really hated those records. And it was because I hated the recordings. And now, like, when I listen to them, I'm like, I'm like, oh, these songs are great. Because, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I think Sam, I love Sam I Am. But, yeah. But, like, I just had a really hard time. Because even, like, I think Lou, Lou Giordano did one of those records. And I, and, and it, I don't think I like the way it sounds. And, and I'm pretty sure Chris told me, you know, that was one of the reasons they did a so long story with Lou was because Sam I Am had done, you know, a record with them. And I'm just like, really? Because I didn't think that record sounded good. <laughs> See, I don't remember when I was young, like, because I remember getting into the Misfits. And I've actually had, I had this conversation with, like, Randy from Pennywise, and he was impressed. Like, I got into the Misfits through Metallica because, you know, Cliff and James wore the shirts. And I remember mm-hmm. buying Legacy of Brutality at, like, 11 years old or something yeah. and listening to it and really liking it. And I think it was just, you know, the melodies were so great and everything was so good. But when you listen to that record, the production is God awful. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's terrible. I mean, I love legacy of brutality. It's my, I think that, that, and uh, that and um, walk among us. Oh I yeah. My favorite, my favorite misfits records. And I'm pretty sure that the first, the first time I heard, legacy brutality i think isaac gave it to me or let me borrow it yeah and i think it was Vinny's. so i think Vinny, i think Vinny had legacy brutality and isaac borrowed it and then i ended up with it and it just kind of like it kind of went through all the friends and that that ended up being my my favorite misfits record and mainly because it was the first you know the first misfits record i heard yeah well, this, this is a good time, a little segue, uh, you know, I talk about, you know, you and I are good buddies. I, I, we played little league together. We've known each other our whole lives pretty much. Um, I, I was actually thinking about, we've pretty much know, we've known each other for almost like 30 years, Chris. It's kind of crazy. I know it's insane. And I was talking to my mom the other day, cause I was telling her that I wanted you to be on the podcast and she was asking how you're doing. And I was telling her about your touring and everything. And she said that she remembered like, like chaperoning a field trip with, because you and my sister were in the same grade Mm -hmm. and she was like, and I remember, you know, Annie, your little sister was there like the baby. (laughs) It's it's funny. My mom was on that field trip. Yeah. Your mom was there with Annie Yeah, and you were on the field trip because you were in the grade. And my mom was just like, man, you and Brian have known each other for like 30 years. I'm like, I can't, it blows my mind that we've known each other even longer than 30 years. I know it's crazy. I mean, I'm, I'm wanting to say that, God, I don't even know. No, it's probably it's probably been about that because I think that uh, I think we've been really close for about thirty, but I think I've known you for a, for at least five years before that. Because well, I was well, I don't I don't know because like thirty years, I'm thirty eight, so that would have been like we met when I was eight, which would probably be about right. That's about right because we were Elementary playing baseball school, so. together. Yeah, yeah. Because so I'm forty, probably, I'm forty one, so yeah, I'm just a couple years older than you. Yeah, so probably like thirty years. And, and the yeah, the crazy thing is, is you know we've known each other for so long and I still, even though I don't get to see you like I used to. And I mean, it's been a long time cause I moved down South. You moved to Arizona. I, you know, I wasn't in the band anymore, but I still feel like you're my best friend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, and, and it's definitely, you know, I don't see anybody hardly anymore. Yeah. Just cause like, you know, I was in Indiana for like a week and I, I don't, I barely left Rowan. And, and by barely left row and I went to like Wabash. <laughs> well, and that was the thing I was really wanting to kind of see you and Jason and Troy and everybody, everybody's always in town for the holidays. But when you have toddlers and, and I had like my in-laws were in town, like, man, I, mm-hmm. I wasn't able to do anything. So I'm really glad we're getting to talk now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So growing up, I've always kind of, you know, I feel like I've known you, but I think this could be interesting for people that are listening. 
how did like underground punk type stuff kind of come into play for you? Was it that Misfits record or was there stuff prior to that? Yeah, actually it was, I mean, it was, it was, you know, like I remember Aaron, you know, Aaron was listening to MXPX and like, yeah. um, like, uh, you know, more, <laughs> I, I definitely had some class with Morgan, like, and he had like, you know, I mean, you know, growing up in Upland with like the fucking, uh, the like the you know the belt buckle of the bible belt almost yeah, yeah, and, right. like all these like you know like snooty like uptight people um you know it's it's weird when you're in a class with a kid who has like his hairs and spikes and he has septums pierced and he has like a, you know an anal bead necklace almost and, <laughs> yeah um you know and like it, a lot of it was like you know i would be asked i'm like yo so what what what, what like what band's that you know, and he would, you know, he'd be cool telling me. And I'm like, all right, cool. And did I ever, t- did I ever tell you the story when Morgan, uh, he was playing guitar with me and I was like, dude, you need to tune your guitar. He's like, dude, that's not punk rock. If it's good, it'll yeah. tune itself, man. Yeah. yeah. I do think I heard that story. <laughs> yeah. 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 But honestly, like, yeah, I think, I think Isaac was the main, like, yeah, but like getting like, cause I, I, do, I got, I got legacy of brutality from him and like, you know, ripped it or put, put on cassette. And then I had, um, I had, I heard they suck live from him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, or the Ramones greatest hits live. You know, I, I think I got all those records. Like I got those records like from Isaac and, you know, I think that's, that's how I started listening to it. And then, and then, you know, Napster helped a little bit with us where we were. Napster was great, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would still love to have, um, those original beautiful mistake demos from Napster. They were the best. I, I want to you know? find out a way to get that. I don't know who I need to talk, talk to. I think Joel Green said he has them. I, I might have it on my recording computer. I, I still haven't opened my computer up yet. I've been working on trying to finish the Brazil stuff. It's been yeah. like, because I, I tracked that show from the Brazil, from the Brazil. The final show. show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, it's just like, you know, real small stage, lots of, lots of, lots and lots of microphone bleed Yeah, through, especially through the vocal mic. It, it kind of sounds like James and, and Jonathan are sharing a microphone for drums and vocals sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, so I, I, I was actually working on that one. So called. do you have any of the old gallows sessions? Like, do you have some of the old widow Jenkins stuff? If I wanted yeah. to maybe remix it. Yeah. I mean, I, I have all of it and I've been meaning to pull it up. I just like, like I said, I, haven't, I just haven't, that computer is like buried in a closet and, um, like, you know, I, I try to, like, I'll start doing one thing and then like I get sidetracked and start doing another thing. Yeah. And, and then there's all this shit everywhere all of a sudden. And it's like, everything's a mess, but, uh, yeah, I'll pull that out at some point. So you've uh, got all that old stuff we did. At, that's the mm-hmm. one thing we haven't even talked about. Brian and I owned a recording studio called the Gallows Recording Studio. I'd really like to, I'd like to get my hands on some of those files. Cause now that I have, you know, logic and I'm messing with all this stuff, I'd like to try it. Yeah, of course. I, uh, I, I had it, I had it out and I was messing with one of the songs like sometime last year, you yeah. know, like just like whatever, but, um, just to see what I have on there still, but everything's on there. Um, and I have all the hard drives. Yeah. Cause I, I really like to go since, since I never use that computer and every once in a while, like I want access to some of those files because I can, I think it's, I'm like, oh, I want to hear this, but that's the only place I have it. Yeah. Like, you know, there, there's some really horrible bands that we recorded and like, oh, yeah, really of course. horrible songs. 
Do you remember? Do you remember? I don't want to like give away the name if I even remember the name, but there was a band that had a horrible drummer, and there was this entire like outro of double bass. And you and when they left, we're like, oh yeah, that's totally good. And then we stayed up until like five in the morning editing the kicks and making it sound perfect, and they never even knew. Yeah, like they didn't finish that, right? I think they finished that song. Oh, but nothing else. Nothing else. But when they heard that, they're like, oh man, that sounds great. Like they had no idea. Like they actually thought the drummer played it that well. Wait, I mean, that that was there was there were a few things like that. I definitely re-recorded bass on a couple songs. Oh, I I did some. uh, Do you remember that one song where the kid was doing the backup vocals, and after he left, I did all the backup vocals. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I did like some Christian rap group when I had it. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Aaron and Aaron and I tried to right try. Tried to redo the backup vocals, which were not anywhere near being right. We did not have anything near the same voices. We like we're like we can we can we can fake this. And yeah. like man, it was so bad. It was so so bad. Do you remember when we did? Uh, I think it was that song "Sincerity in the Dam." The first r- demo of that for the Widow Jenkins. I played on my my knees, and you mic'd my knees, and then you sound uh, you sound replaced drum drums. replacement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Do you remember that? That's crazy, yeah, man. That so you got into you got into to the misfits and all that stuff through Isaac and Vinny, who are good friends of ours. Isaac's been on the program before. Um, when did you go to Florida to go to recording school? Because I have kind of a cool story about that. I can't remember the year. I feel like I feel like that was some that was like two thousand two. I would guess. Okay. I came back in like two thousand one because that was or two that sorry i went back in time when i came back you were john, john teeter man <laughs> mm-hmm. i uh um i came back 2003ish i think yeah so well yeah. i just remember you you invited me down to florida to hang out with you i can't remember i think i had just gotten back oh that's the- right you did come down i was actually thinking about that the other day because isaac came and you came yeah and, uh, i think daniel came and i was there for like two weeks or something it was crazy you yeah, there for a while but the thing that I remember, I can't remember. I had just gotten back from some tour with Chronic Chaos or some band, or I don't mm-hmm. even know what it I was. Think so. I think so. But I flew down there, and you were in class like all day, so I would just hang out at your apartment by myself. And you had an acoustic guitar, and some reason, for some reason, it was in drop D tuning. And I'd never played in drop D at that point, which sounds really stupid, but I'd, I'd never really done it before. And I sat there and in like two or three days in a tuning I'd never played in before, I wrote My Israel by the Widow Jenkins mm-hmm. in your apartment right. in Florida. <laughs> and that, I think that guitar, I think, got broken at a Devil's Brew show. Yeah, that wasn't that at like that Hurrah, black, upstairs of the Hurrah, that black, like yeah, thin line acoustic? Yeah, it was a Yamaha yeah. or something, I think. Yeah, I think it got leg dropped at a, at a, at a, <laughs> at a um, Devil's Brew show. By accident. I'm pretty sure Aaron did it. He felt really bad. Nobody yeah, on the pod that listens to the podcast knows what Devil's Brew is, but they're going to know soon because I'm going to have Jasper come on the program. Oh, oh so okay. So Jasper hasn't been on. Jasper has Isaac not, has but been. he's going to come on the show. Nice. Yes. Nice. Great. That's cool. So all That'd you people cool. listening out there, you have to prepare yourself. Devil's Brew is the best band in the entire world. It is. It's, it, it's the thing that sucks is like some people don't get it. And I don't understand that because like, I know it is very specific to like some some people. It's but spe- like, specific, but I mean everybody, no matter where you live, know you know you know people like the guys in that band, the characters from that movie. 
that's that's what I think too, and that's why I know I'm like I, I definitely I remember showing like Brew of the Dead to somebody. I think Brew of the Dead, or or maybe it was Best Indiana's Best Kept Secret. Yeah. When, when I lived it, while I lived in Florida, and they're like, I don't I don't get this, Brian. I'm like, seriously, like you don't have hillbillies? Like, <laughs> like one of the guys was from Minnesota, and I'm like, you have hillbillies, and the other guy was from Jersey. I'm like, come on, give me a break, like. Jersey, you don't, you don't, you don't know people kind of like this. Like it's the same thing. They just have a different accent yeah, and maybe yeah. live differently, you know. But there's the same, same kind of hillbilly. It's just well, dude. When Travis know. from Coheed was on, we were totally going to talk about it. We were talking about it before we started recording, and then we totally forgot because if you remember, and everybody out there listening, Devil's Brew was this kind of, you know pre tenacious D type thing <laughs> that we used to do where we dressed up as rednecks and we had dumb songs and there was a, there was a whole family tree and a backstory and we made movies and it was really funny. Maybe someday you'll get to hear about it, but Coheed and Cambria were huge devil's brew fans. Mm-hmm. Like, cause when I was on the work tour or whatever tour it was, and I was riding on their bus, I had the movie and we all watched the movie and they loved it. And I just, I, I would think that if those guys, I mean, I know it's like, you know, upstate New York, I'm sure they have rednecks, but everybody in this country knows somebody like those characters. I mean, of course they had rednecks. I mean, upstate New York, Orange County choppers. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I don't even know what we were talking about. <laughs> Started talking yes. about devil's brew. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's whatever. Um, oh, I was down there. I, I was just, I was telling that story because I've, I've kind of, we had Adam from the widow Jenkins was on and I've kind of rebooted it a little bit. I'm writing some new demos and I'm, he's either going to sing or maybe some other buddies are going to sing. I'm just trying to do something cause I'm bored musically and I've played the, I've played my Israel on the show a few times and people seem to really dig it. So I just, I always thought it was cool that the first song I ever wrote in drop D tuning was actually in your apartment in Florida on that little acoustic mm-hmm. guitar. Yeah. It's crazy. Why don't you tell the story? I mean, I know this is kind of tangent. I don't know if people are interested. I'm interested. Uh, do you remember after the Widow Jenkins started and Dan was playing bass and then he was out and you were coming home from Florida and I'm like, hey, dude, you're in the band now. Yeah, that's I mean, that's not how I remember it. Tell me how you remember it, because that's kind of no, how I, mean, I remember it. That's that's pretty much. I don't. I mean, that's I think that's kind of just how it happened. We had a show and everything. I'm like, dude, you have to learn like these songs. <laughs> I mean, luckily it was only like five songs. They yeah, were it wasn't, hard, it wasn't but, bad. But it was only like five. But I mean, they were, those were tough songs. Yeah, they they're, they're not easy. I, no, I mean, I definitely, I've, I've definitely heard them like, you know, fairly recently and been like, and I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't, I haven't played like that in years, you know, yeah. as hard as I have played. I played rock and roll and like pretty straightforward, but yeah, that shit's a little harder, <laughs> you know. I was just, man, it was after, after chronic chaos was kind of over. I was like, I'm just going to write, like, I never wrote to like make anybody else happy, but those songs, I was like, man, I'm just going to go as crazy as I can. And I think I did pretty well. <laughs> yeah. There, no, I mean, I think, yeah, there's definitely a couple songs where you're just like, what is this? This is insane. It's just, <laughs> there's no structure like, at all. It's just noodling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, That's dude. awesome. So you know, you played with me in the Widow Jenkins. You and I joined the Ataris. Um, there was kind of, I told the story a couple of times on the show. It was kind of weird. We had the Widow Jenkins. Our singer had quit. Chris Rowe was in town. We were like, let's get a hold of Chris Rowe and see if he'll sing for the Atari or sing for the Widow Jenkins. Mm-hmm. And somehow we ended up in the Ataris. Do you remember that story? I mean, I mean, that's pretty much how it went. I think it was like, I think he said something along the lines of like, well, I, I think actually, 
I think there, the, the, the way it actually went, there was like two weeks of me telling you that that guy doesn't give a fuck and doesn't want to be in our band. And what was I? I was, I was just like, like fuck, and, I'm going to ask him. And you're, anyway. like, you're like, no, I'm going to ask him. And I'm like, no. And then I think two weeks later, I'm like, all right, just ask him. <laughs> and then, and then he, I think it was something like, you know, I don't, he's like, I'm not really trying to like be in another band right now, but it's like, I need a band. You <laughs> yeah. guys sound like you. And it was like something like you guys, you guys can play, obviously. Do you want to be in the band? And we were like, sure. Okay. I remember that first time he came over to the studio and we were all hanging out and it was just kind of strange because I don't know if he'd actually ask us yet or because wasn't it originally he just wanted to do some demos and because this is what yeah, I, well, I remember him saying like I don't really want to sing in a new band but mm-hmm. I do need to demo some songs and you guys own a studio and then mm-hmm. at, through that he he asked us to join the band. I think, yeah, I think before he came over, he was like, he's, he said, I think he said something along, he was like some lines of like, you know, I need an, I need a band. Um, maybe we can, ha- we can hang out and see how it goes. Cause that's, that's how he is. You know, it's a, yeah, yeah. yeah he, <laughs> he, he didn't need to play with us first. He wanted, he needed to hang out with us and make sure he could <laughs> hang out with us, which I understand him, that. Yeah. I get it. And, uh, Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And <laughs> yeah, in, in the in, in the end of that, at the end of that day, he's actually like, "Yes, if you guys want to do it, you can." And we we're like, oh, "Okay, yeah, sure." And then we just started learning songs. And then I remember you and I sitting in the studio learning songs that we never ended up playing either. <laughs> yeah, like of we course. we were hitting. I mean, maybe it was just when I was in the band, but I just remember like he never really gave us a full set of what to learn. We just kind of picked and choose what we thought we were going to play. And there were a lot of songs we went through that we never, I remember trying learning the, when the lights went out in New York city from the Spider-Man two soundtrack, we never played mm-hmm. that. No, uh, there was a dry erase board. And I think it, it's out. The dry erase boards out my parents in the attic. It yeah. still has all the, it has all the original songs on it. That's cool. man. I think from what, what we rehearsed, but, um, you know, it, it never really changed. Like we'd be like, "Yeah, I want to play a song." I mean, for like eight years, I was trying. I was trying to play uh, Fast Times. Yeah, I'm like, I want to play Fast Times. I want to play Fast Times. And and it and I, I mean, it it was re-recorded like nine years ago for the record that hasn't came out yet. Yeah, like it, I, there's there's a there is a I, I don't a newer recording. <laughs> I mean, I, I have to use that term loosely, but it is a newer recording of that song. <laughs> yeah. This this really great. And I was always like, you, let's play this song. I love the song. It's my favorite song. And I told I told Chris the first time, I'm like, you, my, I think my favorite guitar song is Fast Times. He's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, he goes, that's weird. It has He's no like, chorus. There's no structure to it. Yeah. I'm like, so what? I mean, in in the more I started learning how he wrote, especially later, it made, made, it made learning the song so much easier once I, once, you know, like if, if I learned a song off Blue Skies, if I had to learn a new song off Blue Skies, I already kind of knew the structure of it. Yeah. To like to learn it, you know what I mean. Even though I I knew the songs well because I mean I grew up on those songs, but like learning them, you know, knowing what record it was from changed the way I learned the song. I think just because like I knew I knew okay he didn't write a chorus basically until so long a story. He didn't write yeah. a structured song until so long a story. Everything else before that was very Springsteen-y where there's like no choruses and it's just a story. Or it's almost like there's a pre-chorus that you see, it feels like it's going to resolve to a chorus, mm-hmm. but it just, mm-hmm. that is the chorus. You know what but, I mean? But that's, and that's, that's what I loved. I like yeah. those kinds of songs. That's why I always want to play fast times. And I, we rehearsed it a couple of times, but we never played it. I think we played, uh, we played, uh, shit, uh, something 
what was song song number two is that a song off of the indus forever yeah yeah we I, played that, I remember that you really guys playing that after song. i left mm-hmm. i remember seeing some videos of you guys playing that and i was kind of bummed because that's kind of a heavier one you know yeah that song it's, it's like a dark fun song yeah. to play um I, I think i think aaron played that i think we played that a couple times with aaron but yeah but for the most part we you know we, we did the same set for for years and I, I mean, I don't, I imagine the set's pretty similar now, honestly. Yeah. I mean, which is fine. I mean, it's so nobody you know, seems to care. The last time I saw you play with the Ataris, uh, my wife was actually pregnant with my son. We were down in Florida in Pensacola. And I think shortly was there, that with Hawthorne. Yeah, it was with Hawthorne Heights yeah. and, and Master or, or Anthony's yeah, other band, I think. Was it, it, it was both? Okay. It, he was his, his, other band was opening and then it was messed Hawthorne Heights the Atari. So it was a three-way headliner. But yeah, I remember that night was, you know, hanging out with you and seeing you guys play. And I got to play with you guys on stage, which was a lot of fun, but you left shortly thereafter. I mean, was it just, you were, I know in the interim between tours, you were doing the, the tech stuff and the sound stuff. Did mm-hmm. that just become more lucrative than actually touring in the Ataris? Um, I mean, that's, that's not, I mean, that's not necessarily what happened. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, it is more lucrative. Yes. Like, I mean, most, most people that went from playing in a band to doing like what I'm doing, yeah, do it because they can make money doing it and they can continually work as well. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, it it is more lucrative, but it's not, I mean, that's, there's not a whole lot of story to what happened. It just kind of just kind of happened you know and it was one of those things like you know it'd been it i think it'd been coming for a while and it was it was time and it happened and you know it was was, the ataris went on and i went on and (laughs) i uh i think i think i i think i talked to chris sometime last year yeah like in over email and and that's about that's about that, that's about the only time I've spoken to him since then so you know um yeah he's doing he's doing his thing when i was talking to jake and marco from sugar cult and all these different people we're going to get a shirt put together that says i used to be in the ataris and we're going to sell it and make a million dollars so marco and i were going to do um he, he and i were he and i he made this we were in um we're in Australia and I was talking to Marco. Uh, um, that astronaut was, was out, was worst play shows at the time, which oh, was cool. awesome. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was talking to Marco. He's like, he's like, you know, we should start a band called, and it could be the, like, uh, it was, it was like something like the casualties of, of Chris Rowe and, jo- and Joey Cape or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So like basically, basically started ex members of Joey Cape and Chris Rowe bands. And, that would be awesome. You know, can, but, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a huge lineup. The thing is, though, there is there is a lot of there's a lot of member changes and and like whatever it is what it is. But I mean, yeah. I lasted longer than anybody. So you you were in that <laughs> yeah. band for a long time, man. Yeah, I, I think I think I think the only person it was in the band about as long as I was was Mike Davenport. Yeah, honestly, because he, he and I had that conversation. He's like, you might. He's like, you might have beat me, and I'm like, ah, maybe I don't know. But I think it's he and I pretty much did the same amount of time so uh mike's mike's in prison right (laughs) i don't i actually don't know because they never i mean if no one out there knows what we're talking about he had like a some sort of real estate 
scammy thing. I don't even know. But they never they never told what happened after they announced everything. Yeah, I, I really don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't think I've talked to Mike since it happened. I talked yeah. to John a little bit. But I, I don't know. I, I actually, I thought, I thought Mike was in Santa Barbara, but I really don't know. Is his other band still doing stuff? Um, not so much. Um, Donald, Donald kind of like, you know, like was doing like a solo thing. Um, every once in a while, but I, I don't, I don't know because I don't, and I don't know who's in that band anymore. Cause, yeah. cause Sean Sellers was playing drums. Yeah. But good riddance has been really busy. Like to like, he's, he's not doing, he's not doing authority zero anymore. As far as I know, um, you know, Joey just put out a solo record. Um, sorry, that, that wrong band. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, no, but, oh, but Lagwagon's been touring, which Flip is in versus the world. Yeah. Flip is in versus um, the world and Lagwagon. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Lagwagon has been playing pretty hard, which dude, that new record is great. If you haven't checked it out. Yeah, I don't, I don't, it sounds like a lag wagon record, man. I just listened to it. It's a little more metally. The fact that it starts out like a maiden record is a little. Well, I kind of dig it because it reminds me, sense. it reminds me of duh and all those like classic, like, you know, mm-hmm. the ones that were a little bit more Hesher esque, you know? Yeah. I, I never, I never got into lag wagon. They weren't, they weren't like no use for a name was my favorite. Well, that no, no use for no a name is my, my favorite as well. Like fat punk band. Yeah. Yeah. And then I liked. I liked, uh, I mean, there's some, there's some lag wagon songs I like, but they're the ones that are like closer to being like, um, to being, uh, bad astronaut songs. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? Like the, I think those are great, but like the actual lag wagon song, them was kind of like, eh, I mean, they are lag wagon songs, but they're, they're bad astronauts. Songs. I had, you know, I had Joey songs. on a couple months back and we were talking yeah. about bad astronaut and he says that he just thinks that band's pretty much dead. <laughs> he said he doesn't think it's ever going to happen again. Yeah, I, I mean, I saw them in Australia. They were, they were, they were great. But like, you know, like it's it just, I, I don't know. I just don't think it. It, I think that he, like he would have to like stop doing his solo thing. And yeah, be like this is bad astronaut. This is Joey Cape's solo thing. Yeah, because yeah. that's that that is what I mean. That's basically a bad astronaut. I feel like was it was like a more like more rock and roll version of Lagwagon, you know. His solo record's really, really good as well. I don't know if you've checked that out or not. I, I haven't heard it. I've, I've definitely heard, I've heard some of his solo stuff, but I, I haven't heard the new one yet. So I tell so. you what, man, we're getting pretty close. We've been on the phone for like an hour. Um, the last thing that I'll kind of leave this with, and I'd love you to come back for a part two. Like this has been a long time coming. I love having you on the show, but I would like to know if just off the top of your head, you have any sort of tour story from the Ataris or from any of your other oh, tours man. you've done that you might want to share with the listeners, anything you think a funny, a scary thing, whatever. Funny or scary. Huh? <laughs> or I any, mean, or anything else. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, within, within slave last year, we were in a, we were in a, a hurricane driving from Tokyo to Osaka. That was pretty stressful. Woke up. Uh, I woke up in the hotel, like, you know, like 3 PM and the hotel was like swaying back and forth. Wow. And, like, yeah, I was like, this is it. This is where this is where I'm gonna die. I was in a shitty van and now I'm in a shitty hotel in Osaka and I'm gonna die. Awesome. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um that one was that was pretty stressful. Like Ivar and I, the, the guitar player and I were sharing a room and he's like, Should we go downstairs? And I was like, Maybe, man. And we opened the door and the stairs to go downstairs were 
both outside and the doors to the stairs were like slamming and water was fucking like flooding in. Can't, of course we can't take the elevator. That's insane. Yeah. So we're on like the fourth or fifth floor, not too high. And you was like, yo, maybe we should stay here. And I was like, yeah, maybe we should. <laughs> so we, we stayed in the hotel and just waited for it to stop. And which it did finally. And you know, we did the show and whatever. Um, I mean, the Atari's man, I don't think, how about, how about something from crazy. something about like when you and I were on the road together? Is there anything like maybe something in South Africa or like some, something that maybe I've forgotten? I actually, okay. I think my favorite thing, one of my favorites was that interview at Warp Tour with the kid, the kid who was doing the video interview. <laughs> it's totally and online like, if anybody wants to look it yeah, up too. And, and we, we were just like, we were pretty like. I was kind of douchey. Well, well, I feel like it wasn't that. No, it was that we were really like overheated. It was really hot that day. And I remember. Was that that in Oakland or San Francisco? I don't remember where it was, but I remember the, because in the video we have, we have wet towels around our neck. Cause remember it was really hot. Yeah. Um, but that kid, that kid, we weren't being dicks. We were just like, we're just hot and tired. And the kid, he started the interview, but it was like, we interviewed him. he, He was really awkward. And I just, I had the microphone and I'm like, Remember, I was like, hey, this is Brian with the Ataris, and we are with whatever the kid's name is today. How are you doing? And he started answering my questions. Yeah. Which, which was pretty priceless and <laughs> amazing. That, that was a pretty funny one. Not, nothing crazy. I think, um, it, I think it was BVTV. Yeah. If anybody right. wants to look it up on YouTube, look for the Ataris BVTV <laughs> yeah. warp tour or whatever. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that, that's a, that was a pretty funny one. It's pretty harmless. Um, you know. I don't really have anything else. I, there, there was the time we remember we almost missed our set because Chris rented a car and like. Well, yeah, he, Gavin told that story. Drove. Gavin told that story when he was on was he, when he was on the podcast because Gavin had to like stay in the car. Yeah, that that was right. the same day. That was San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. Because I was on the piers. Um, yeah, there was that 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 yeah, and, and we got a we got a ticket. Chris was driving like 115 and he got a ticket driving the world tour and we still made it and played half of our set. Yeah. No, Kevin never said anything. Nobody said anything. Nobody cared. Dude. I was so worried about some of those days because it's like, you know, when you're on work tour, you don't want to make Kevin mad. Well, yeah. And I felt course. like a couple of those days where it was like a little sketchy on our part. I was like, man, Kevin's going to get pissed off. Yeah. No, we got lucky. We got lucky. Like, well, I tell he, you, he, he just knows. He knows Chris. He knows. <laughs> he used to man. He used to manage that band. He knows. Well, Brian, I got to say, man, this has been really cool. I'm gonna let you get yeah, on man. with your day. Happy oh, New yeah. Year! I hope you had a really nice holiday. Yeah. And sure. uh, we're gonna have to hang out soon. What is coming up in the future? Before I let you go, what do you have coming up with Baroness or with any other band? Um, we have some Baroness stuff in Australia and Japan in like March, I think. Um, right. March, yeah, March. And then, and then there's a tour in the U S in May, but I don't know if that's been announced yet. So, well, hopefully you guys will come to my neck of the woods. Cause I want to come hang out with you, man. Yeah. 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 I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen the dates for me, but I mean, it's like, I think it's the whole U S. So. Cool. Well, uh, if I know you're kind of a private guy, but is there anything you want to plug as far as like social media or anything so people can check you out? I mean, I mean, I really don't use my social media. 
I probably should start. I think every year I say I should want to start using my social media. Maybe this will be the year. But. My favorite thing on Facebook is, is that, that you have on Facebook that your birthday is the 4th of July, I think. So everybody always, yeah, I, always says happy birthday. And I'm like, those dumbasses. <laughs> I, I get I get texts every year at 4th of July telling me happy birthday. Yeah. They've slowed down. And I think it's because I don't respond to them. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, you should, start, you should start posting more on Instagram, man, because I want to see what's going on. It also says my name is like Desiree or something on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on Facebook and that I'm a female. I don't know. Awesome, like, man. Well, I tell you what, I, I'll, I'll put your Instagram in the show notes just so people can check it out if yeah. they want to. I think it's American Brian or American Brian 81. Or Do something. you remember why it's American Brian? Yeah, because, uh, because we did the South American, the, 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 the radio spots or something. And it was like, <laughs> I said, this is Brian. America. This is Brian from America. <laughs> We're coming to South Africa. Yeah, it really. It sometimes when I tell people my email address, I'm like, Man, I hope they don't think I'm like a white supremacist. Or something. <laughs> this like is MAGA. This is MAGA Brian. It's serious, like scary. It's scary, but yeah, <laughs> no. So that's not the case. Awesome. Yeah, Brian is not a white nationalist. However, he is white. He is not a nationalist. <laughs> yeah, very true. Okay. Well, so, I tell you what, man. uh I love you, man. I miss you, and I can't wait to see you, and hopefully we'll get you back on the show. Next time, we'll just totally talk dumb tour shit. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> well, uh, tell Victoria I said what's up, and I will talk cool, to you I very will. soon, okay? All right, man. Talk yeah, to you later. Good. Talk to you later. Bye. Right. So there it was, my conversation with my good friend, Brian Nelson. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I sure enjoyed it. It's crazy when you've got someone like Brian in your life. He's my best friend, and I, I used to see him every day. And now we've lived in separate states for like, you know, seven, eight, nine years. And uh, it's like whenever we see each other, we get on the phone, it's like no time has passed. And it it's great, man. And Brian, shout out to you. Thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. I know that you probably won't listen to this, but uh, who knows? But uh, Brian's uh, fiance, Victoria, who is actually Baroness's tour manager, She's going to be coming on the show very soon, and we're going to hear about her story, and I'm sure it's going to be really, really cool. So once again, shout out to Brian. If you guys are in Japan or Australia, I know we have a lot of people in both of those countries that listen to this program. Make sure to check out yourbaroness.com for the dates. They're going to be over there in your neck of the woods. Go on out to the Baroness show and say what's up to Brian. He'll be on the side of the stage running the monitors. So uh, tell him I sent you. I think it'd be it'd be cool if Brian like texts me from Australia and go, dude, somebody came up and said, what's going on? So go see Brian. Go see Baroness. Like I said, Japan and Australia coming up soon. Check out yourbaroness.com for the dates. So that's it. Episode 92. Thank you guys so much for coming back week in and week out. Uh, the show's been growing. It's been going so well. We're charting every week. I'm, I'm getting so much great feedback from everybody out there. Remember, if you want to hit me up and you know just talk or, or give me a guest suggestion or, or whatever, you can hit me up. It's TOTOTpodcast at gmail.com or on any of the social media platforms at TOTOTpodcast. Next week on the program, I got to sit down and have a conversation with Mr. Brad Kazarin from Grade and Somehow Hollow. I can't tell you guys how big of a fan of Grade I was. I, I used to tour quite a bit in Canada with uh, this band called, well, they were sewing with Nancy, then they became the reason. And man, Grade was just a mainstay in the van. 
and Kyle's vocals are so great and just the way that the songs are put together. And Brad was one of the guitarists in Grade and we talk all about that. And then also his band that he had outside of Grade, Somehow Hollow, that also signed to Victory and put out an amazing record. And we just, we talk about all kinds of crazy stuff and Somehow Hollow now has a brand new EP. A couple episodes back, I played one of the new songs from their EP. But uh, Brad and I talk about everything, and I think you're really going to like it. And if you're not like familiar with Somehow Hollow or familiar with Grade, it's on all the streaming sites. Go check it out, and um, maybe you'll be ready for next week. If you weren't a fan already, you'll be a fan once you check it out. So come back next week with my converse, for my conversation with Brad from Grade and Somehow Hollow. It's going to be an awesome episode. So uh, make sure you're following us on the socials. You know, make sure you're reviewing us and rating us and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps out. Uh, if you want to sign up over at patreon.com forward slash TOTOT podcast, not only do you get to join a cool community and, you know, get bonus episodes from time to time and just cool stuff, contests, whatever, but the next, I'm going to say, let's say six people, six, let's say eight people, the next eight people that sign up to be a patron get a coupon, get a promo code from Merge4, our amazing sponsor, Merge4 Socks, for 50% off anything you want to get from their website. 50% off. That's a killer deal. But you got to go sign up over at patreon.com forward slash TOTOT podcast. So that's it. You guys are probably wondering what kind of music I'm going to play. You know, Brian's not in the Ataris anymore, so I don't really feel like playing an Atari song. I think I'm going to do more self-serving. I've been telling you guys that I've, I'm remastering all the old Widow Jenkins stuff. And uh, I'm going to play a Widow Jenkins song. Brian actually engineered this song and played bass on this song. And it's pretty cool. I like it quite a bit. It's still kind of a demo. I wouldn't say it's completely like a studio track. But uh, it's called Eulogy for a Foe. And uh, it's by the Widow Jenkins, and I hope you guys like it. I'd like some feedback. I've been playing some Widow Jenkins on the program because I'm doing some new demos for the band, trying to reboot everything. And uh, we've got the complete collection coming out at the end of February on all the streaming sites. It's called Crimson King. So uh, check out this song. It's called Eulogy for a Foe with my guest Brian Nelson on the bass guitar. I'm playing guitar, my stepbrother Aaron's playing guitar, my cousin Adam's singing, Jake from the Ataris is playing drums, uh, Joel Green, who used to be in Emory, is playing third guitar. It's, it's a killer song. I really like it. If you don't like it, though, let me know. I want to know. I want all the constructive criticism. Uh, this was recorded probably, I'm wanting to say, in 2007, so it's pretty old. But uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Come back next week for Brad from Grade and Somehow Hollow. This song is entitled Eulogy for a Foe. This is Chris. Peace.
Hey guys, it's Alice Lenny. And it's you too. That's what I'm Well, hey friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.